Oh my god. Goes. Oh. I was I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons had KD on his podcast. KD sucks. That guy. I feel like he would be so boring. Listen, listen to the pod. He basically railed against the media the entire time. He was like, "Oh, he kept calling them blog boys," and they asked him. um, So Bill Simmons asked him a bunch of questions, and his other guy that's with him is a dick too. Like he's just annoying. Oh, is his manager? Yeah. Oh my god. And uh, he he brought up if uh, KD likes the players only that they do for TNT because everyone hates it. And I, he wanted to know how the players feel because I was curious. So he goes, oh, man, I love it when you get those blog boys calling the game. And he goes, the play-by-play announcers aren't blog boys. He goes, yeah, they are. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, Marv Albert's a blog boy? <laughs> that guy doesn't know what a blog is. Hello, folks, and welcome to Shooting with the Saints. I'm Matt Spendley, and I'm joined tonight by Sam Governally. What's up, guys? And Chris Campbell. How are we doing, folks? Sam, in person tonight, seeing your beautiful face right next to me. It's nice. It is mm, nice. That sounds good. Get, <laughs> get to record on Matt. Hey, Sam. Oh, sorry, Sam, Chris. We missed, what did you say? We missed you Saturday, buddy. I know. Fucking passed out. Passed out. <laughs> well, in, in, my, in your defense, I passed out pretty early, too. I... Fell asleep on the air mattress and was woken up to Cam going, Uber's here. And I was not ready, so I was still in sweats and a t-shirt. And somehow made it out to the bar in sweats and a t-shirt. Oh. I'm surprised they let you in. Dude, I I was it was such a blur. Cam's like, time to go. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like you couldn't have woken me up before this? Yeah, I was I was pretty tired. I think I I believe I fell asleep at the bar as well. I was uh putting on my face cream last night and I started to like get right here and Kyle punched me right here and it's really sore actually <laughs> and I didn't Why realize did he punch you again I like making very light-hearted comments about how he has two sisters instead of one. Oh, it's funny because I just like busting him about his mom she's a lovely woman there it's it, and it's just always funny because he always takes it so seriously and I'm like dude at this point so he was real drunk and he just gave me like a nice swing right to the face oh god and i think if it happened if i was sober it would have hurt but i was just pretty drunk so it was funny and i don't care like that stuff i definitely deserve it i know what i'm getting into if something like that happens but yeah so uh i'm just gonna have to get over that i might have to ice it a little tonight Mm. (laughs) struggles of living with kyle dombrowski oh my god rage monster all right so i wanted to get some takes off about this odell beckham thing because I'm fed up, guys. I'm at my breaking point. I can imagine. If the Giants do something this dumb. Now, I'm curious. Let's, You know, Chris, I'll give you the floor first because I'm curious what a non-Giants fan thinks about this. So what I'll, I will present it is if you're the Giants and you were going to receive the type of package that they've discussed, you know, maybe a first and some other assets, is that something that you'd be interested in for Odell Beckham? I mean, I think I would need a pretty big package just because talents like him are pretty hard to come by. So, I mean, I think I would need what the Giants are kind of asking for at this point, like two firsts and maybe something else. Like, I I don't think it's going to materialize because I don't think teams will give what the Giants want. But the thing that bothers me as a fan's perspective is that 
this is just not conducive for Odell's relationship to the Giants, which already isn't good. It's already contentious. To be somewhat shopping him in a scenario where you're probably not going to end up trading him, so he's just going to come back to the team knowing they thought about getting rid of him and also don't really want to pay him. So it's a pretty crappy situation. That was the report today. It was that Giants looking for two first-round picks for Odell Beckham, but he's not on the training block. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) It's either one or the other. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Sam, what do you think? I think the Giants are one of those old-school franchises that do things like this to show their players that they don't care about them. (laughs) The Steelers do it all the time. You're just an asset. The Patriots. Yeah, exactly. And if, you know, a player has a dispute with Bill Belichick in the past, they just traded him uh, with no real regard for what they're worth. And so I think this is part to do with the trade talk. Because I think the Giants really are just trying to show Odell, hey, you're on the block just like anyone else, and we'll trade you. But what the Giants don't get is Odell's too smart for that shit, and he's just going to go wherever he wants. And if he doesn't want to go with the Giants, he'll just leave. So it's kind of unfortunate. And as far as any trade package, I mean, you got a sure shot in Odell. I mean, we already have a track record of what he can do, and it's hard to imagine getting any first-round pick that can be as good as Odell. So it's just kind of a gamble, and I don't really think it's worth it. It reminds me of what the Knicks did with Porzingis this past summer, where it was like all of a sudden he was just on the trading block. But were they ever actually going to trade him? Probably not. Like There's like a 98% like chance it. they were never going to trade him. And that's how it feels like with Beckham, too. Like it, I'm, I'll definitely be freaking out because I think it is worthy of something like that because a guy like this getting moved is unprecedented, but... When it comes down to it, it, this is the type of guy that I think... The Giants have a tough cap situation. They have some big contracts. A guy like Olivier Vernon's making a ton of money, and Eli's cap hit is still pretty big. But this is the type of guy you say, what money do you want, and we'll give it to you. You can have it. You're so good. Our old quarterback is so much better when you're on the field, and our next young quarterback, who we are likely going to draft, is going to need someone like you to be a dynamic force outside to have a sort of safety net and also when you have a guy like Evan Ingram who was really good last year having a guy like him around and with Odell is such a commodity that not a lot of teams are able to have it is a luxury and there's no reason to give up a luxury you do not give up your Lamborghini for two Mercedes you just don't do it because that's what you're doing here if you're the Giants and you're doing it because your Lamborghini likes to spin out sometimes and likes to show off a little bit. You know what? He's a Lamborghini. That's what he's going to do. It's true. When you uh, say it like that, it makes perfect sense. It's infuriating. These old, yell-at-the-cloud, white, old asses that are like, hey, you know, this Odell guy, he needs to learn some discipline. He, uh, you know, he's pissing on the field. He's smoking weed it's with so hookers hard. and eating pizza. Oh, I always God forbid. People, I always feel like the type of people I'm going to see when, like, let's say, like, I'm at work and like starting a conversation with someone about Odell and just like you, you look at someone you're like, oh, I know they're not going to approve what Odell is doing. Yep. You just know it. You can start having that conversation and they start saying those magic words. They're like, you know what? When it comes to football, I'm a football guy. And these <laughs> things are important to me. <laughs> these, Talent these is athletes, not one of them. These days, oh, no respect dude, for the game. No respect for the integrity of the game. You know, it's oh. it makes you really sad. It's... It's heartbreaking to watch these guys have fun out there. It just it melts my heart, and it makes me, makes me really Ill. want to turn the TV off. And don't even get me into the kneeling. 
Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> there are take people a that actually take a knee my ass. ass. Stand up for the flag. <laughs> and I will say I am not that tolerant of a lot of the off-field stuff and even some of the on-field celebrations. I'm kind of old guy in that Nerd. sense. <laughs> but I think you guys know that. But even I not really liking anything that Odell does off the field. I have to admit, you just got to keep him. Who cares? He's going to just, like Matt said, be able to make the rest of the team a lot better just by being out there because he draws so much attention. You're not wrong, Sam. Just feels like one of those dumb situations where it's impossible to mess up, but somehow it could happen. Because I used to have a ton of faith in the Giants, and I, I don't quite have as much as I used to. Reasonable. Yep. So, NBA, I'm watching the Knicks play the Sixers right now. Uh, Ennis Cantor is whining. Uh, I think he hit his How, head. How's Fultz doing? Uh, he hit a jumper before, which that was pretty awesome to see him come back the other day. Like, that was one of those cool things. One of those heartwarming stories. And one True. of our man's predictions on here was wrong, because Cam said that he thought Fultz would never play in an NBA game again. <laughs> that and was a hot take. He was already wrong, and the season isn't even out yet. So, yeah. not not the best take I've ever heard. I've seen better. I watched the Cavaliers throw up 79 points last night in Miami. It was disgusting. And then I watched the Golden State Warriors featuring Quinn Cook and Kevon Looney and David West, who was like looking like David West on the Hornets like with the amount of offense that he was putting on his back. It was like, dude, it was literally like watching the Hornets because he was taking those mid-range and he was posting up and actually oh, shooting it. And so I was like, pretty. I'm used to him passing. What is going on here? Mm. <laughs> so we're finally winding down. We're getting close to the playoffs. Sam, I'm curious. Is there any sort of dream matchup that you have on either side of the bracket? A dream matchup? Yeah, like a first-round matchup that you're just like, man, that would be incredible to see. I'd really like to see the Nuggets-Rockets. Just could be a lot of scoring. Oh, Nuggets ain't getting in. No, I know they're not. But Nuggets ain't getting in. <laughs> is it actually over yet? I don't they're think so. two games back no. of the Timberwolves, but there's only seven, eight games to play. And the Nuggets have a real difficult schedule. Yeah, I don't I'll think they play a team under right 500. Now. They have... So that's not good. They're at OKC, and then they're home for Milwaukee, Indiana, and Minnesota. So that Minnesota game's big. And then they're at the Clippers, then they're home for the Blazers, and then they're at Minnesota. So that's wow. Tough. Those are all pretty no, upper no echelon teams. teams. Yeah, no, nothing easy there. Hey, at least they got two against Minnesota. Yeah, so basically that's where it's going to come down to. You win those games. That game against the Clippers will be pretty important too, you know, because the Clippers are a half game ahead of them right now. So that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, the Nuggets have been blowing it. They've lost some bad games. They the lost Grizz. To, to the Grizzlies. Oh, God, that actually hurt the Grizzlies. <laughs> and it hurt the Nuggets. No what one wanted that. On? It was bad for all parties. Dude, I couldn't believe that happened. I think any matchup with the Sixers is going to be a ton of fun. Because I think there's such a an intriguing watch. There's always yeah, but fun to watch. Currently, Sixers-Pacers is probably the least sexy Sixers matchup we could have. I'd agree. Can we all agree that Cavs-Sixers would just be like an amazing first-round matchup? Because if LeBron ever lost in the first round to that team, it would be hysterical. Oh, I would not like it. Oh, it would be awesome. Oh, my God. You guys would oh, like my God. it. Hold on. I, I can only imagine okay, what Joel Embiid would do. Let's give Chris I think a second I just to calm down. Out for a second. Yeah. Are you now? I think it's fair to 
to wonder in the Eastern Conference, is there a chance? Like, if I had to put odds on it, there's a chance that the Sixers could win the East, right? That's not the most outlandish thing that could ever happen. I would say they're probably the fourth most likely team. I mean, yes. they, they have to be. Well, would you pick them or Boston? Uh, hey, guys, remember when Chris was really Boston. high on the Sixers at the start of the season? I do. And Matt was very not high on them? Yep. I was thinking that their over-under was way too high, and I was firmly on the low side. I think they already hit that. They did. Mm-hmm. They did. absolutely did. In my defense. <laughs> like a while ago. <laughs> no, they just hit it. It was 42 and a half. All right, whatever. In my defense, I did not think Embiid would play this many games. That was always the deciding factor. If Embiid played this many games, it was not out of the question that they could be Trust this good. the process. So it's been awesome to see him watch. I will gladly admit I'm wrong on this. I will 100% admit I'm wrong. Also, yeah. that um, that Dario Saric trade, it's just another in a line of bad moves by the Magic because I don't think – because they traded Alfred Payton to get – Sarge, because mm-hmm. Peyton was drafted after Sarge, because I think Sarge was 10th and was Peyton like 12th or 13th or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. So, I mean, Sarge is good. And especially on that Magic team, like, he would be, he's good as a ball handler. He would be able to do a lot more. And they were stuck with Alfred Peyton, who they then ended up moving for a late second round pick for basically nothing. And Alfred Peyton's been statistically. Probably the worst on-off guy in the league since he's went to Phoenix. Like he, he's he's been atrocious. What a, yeah, what a that's just crazy. I know it is. Dude, it's Alfred normal. might not be in the league in a couple of years. It's tough because he still puts up fine numbers, but you watch and he's you know he's not a great defender. He's not even if he was shooting fine from three. Defenses don't respect him, and I think we don't. We need to always consider that factor. It's not always about what you shoot from three. It's about how much the defense respects you from three because that impacts everyone Open else. Open the court. Exactly. So it's something we've said with Rondo, who all of a sudden late in his career has become a passable three-point shooter, but all of his looks are wide open. We've said it with Draymond Green, who this year has missed a ton of those wide-open looks, but it's these guys mm-hmm. that they're not – with Draymond, their offense is so good that it doesn't matter as much. But Rondo has been fine this year. I think he's been all the Pelicans could have hoped for. So I'll take, you know, someone like Emmanuel Moutier because I'm watching the Knicks right now. Not A defense does not respect him from three. So all of a sudden, your point guard is not a shooter. What does that do to the rest of your offense? It clogs it up, and it makes it more difficult. So, I see no lies. Yeah, so we'll get some more NBA action as the playoffs get a little closer. But for now, let's dive into the main event. MLB begins mm, Where's Brian Moreau at? Tomorrow. Brian's, I think Brian is still in Vegas. I don't oh, know if he's yeah, coming he's back in yet. Phoenix. Yeah, so I don't oh, know yeah. if he'll be back. He might be able to get a nice matinee Yankees game tomorrow. But mm. so every team in action. Did I see? I, I don't know if I saw this correctly. Did the Reds and Nationals get rained out already? They did. Because I checked my team and I saw Joey Votto and Trey Turner not playing, and I was like, oh, cool, my first two round picks. That's awesome. Are you ended up with Votto? No, not in our league. Oh. In my other league, but I also have Trey Turner in that one too. Anyways, I know. so 28 teams in action, presumably then. Yep. So I figured we could just go through each division, give some who we think is going to end up pulling out the dubs in each one, talk about who we think could win some awards. We'll go through fairly quickly so we're not bogging the conversation down too much. With baseball, there's not as much nuance, I don't think, as there is like something with basketball, and I think it's a little bit easier to predict. Especially when free agents go to baseball places, because it's really rare. This is based off no evidence. 
But I feel like it's rare in baseball for a guy to go and expect to be, you know, an ex-win player and him just to suck. Whereas in the NBA, sometimes guys can just be such bad fits and all of a sudden it just doesn't work and the chemistry is off. We've seen it happen plenty of times. Like, you know, I mean, Jason Bay, we've seen it with Jason Hayward. You know, it's these guys, but based on no evidence alone, just my stupid mind. No, I feel that. Chris, do you want to start in the AL or NL? Um, we can start in the AL. Okay, so let's start East. So, so AL I mean, East, what do you think? It, so, it obviously feels like a pretty strong Yankees year. I mean... Oh, it's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, they, they overachieved last year, but I think they were just kind of not even necessarily overachieving. They were just reaching their pinnacle quicker than we thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There's no reason to suggest they would do worse. I mean, they added this guy, I think his name's Stan. He hit, like, a lot of home runs last year. Is that Mike Stan? Yeah, Mike Stan. Okay, good, yeah. I remember him. Yeah. And so it it seems to me the Red Sox are just going to have a tough time keeping up. They're not as good. They still have a good team. What interests me is that win models, because of their defense, are still, like, relatively bullish on the Rays. Mm. And – I just don't see it. Yeah, because I don't. So they love Kiermaier. So Kiermaier is a guy that is always jumping off the page for those type of models because he's so good defensively that they think he adds a ton of wins. But I don't know if I necessarily buy that someone's defense makes a team five wins better in the outfield. You like, know what I mean? Like defensive matches no. are really hard. For sure. And like they have, I think like Pakoda and those wins models have them somewhere like a little over 500 and as the I think the favorite for the second wild card and I'm just like oh I just they play in a tough division and I just really 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 don't see it happening I think I think they're arguably the worst team in that division like I think they're they're the opposite of the Orioles but I I think the Blue Jays are still probably a little better maybe I don't know I'd agree the bottom of that it's a clear clearer than in years past how much better the Yankees Red Sox are than those other three teams I think and I think there's plenty of reason, just to talk about the Rays for a little bit more for a second, there's plenty of reason to be worried about their pitching because they're all very young. Because even yep. Archer's a guy that he's given up a ton of home Struggled runs. Struggled last year. We like him because he's got a sky-high K rate, which is awesome. That's fantastic. That's what we want from our pitchers to strike guys out. But, you know, <laughs> I, I happen to like both Blake Snell and Jake Faria. But, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that shouldn't lead us to believe that they're going to achieve the heights that we think they could already. Like, those guys could end up really struggling because Blake Snell's a guy, he has not been able to keep the ball in the strike zone. He's walked a ton. You know, we have plenty of reasons to be concerned about their lineup. It's not, it's never been strong top to bottom. They just gave up the best player in franchise history in a trade. You know, it's, yeah, I'm not crazy about them. But let's talk about the the top for a second. So here's my case for the Red Sox because I have to do this to anti-jinx, of course. They did not hit the ball well last year. Basically, all of their players had down years. All of their best players. Benintendi was about what we expected, but I think many say that he could be even better than that. Mookie had a bad year, relatively for him. Bogarts had a bad year. There's a, a sense that they could be much better and that the guys all happen to have down years at the same time. So... That's my argument for them, is if their offense starts to click and they add a guy like J.D. Martinez, who's a real masher in the middle of the lineup, that changes a lot I, of things for them. I could see that. I'm very concerned with their pitching. 
Yeah, because it's because sale and pr- it's sale and there's reason to be worried about price. Like I, we shouldn't oh, view yeah. price as some ace anymore. It's just not. Oh, I don't. Yeah. And then and Porcello, and then it's Eduardo Rodriguez, right? Yeah, and then no. they still have obviously Pomeranz, Stud, K Ray right. guy, but right. I like Pomeranz. But yeah, I don't know. Sam, you have any takes? What do you think about the Yankees this year? I mean, if I'm gonna be completely honest, I know nothing about baseball. That's why you're I here. Think that was cool. <laughs> I think we knew that. That's why All you're right. here. We're here for your your takes. That's why Cam is not here. Oh, true. Okay. He knows too much about baseball. He knows too much. Okay. It'll be overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Yankees are gonna live and die by the home run ball like they did last year, right? Good point. Excellent point. So, right. Yankee Stadium conducive to home runs. That's good. Sam, you already know more than so many more people that claim to know things about baseball. You're good. Okay, all right. (laughs) So So, I think we can all come to the agreement that it's going to be Yankees-Red Sox. One's going to win the division, and one's going to get a wild card spot. I think it's going to be within three games, and I I can see it going either way. I hope it's fun coming down to the end. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to the AL West, which seems to be, I think M. Night Shyamalan was just on my TV. Is he a Sixers fan? I don't know. It looked a lot <laughs> like him. <laughs> uh, so the AL West is basically... The most lopsided division. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually think there's one other that's worse. But it's basically the Astros, and then it feels like everybody else. Because... It, it, I, maybe, can, maybe the Mariners will compete for a wild card spot. Yeah, again, their pitching makes me a little worried. How come... Baseball's so dumb that Angels have had the best player in the world for the last six years and they can't win the damn division. Like, yeah, it's wild, pretty sucky. You know? It's because they made stupid moves, like signing Albert shitholes. <laughs> what? Give him some respect. Put some respect <laughs> on that negative one war name. <laughs> uh, so, like, the Angels are a team that I think will be fun to watch this year because they get a full season out of Upton. Um, I, I don't give a crap about Otani. I could care less about him. He's been but, bad. Pozart, who I think we we all know he overachieved last year, but his numbers were really good. And mm-hmm. Kinsler, all these guys that I don't think are going to make a huge difference, but when you put them all together, they could have a pretty decent offense. And they'll get Upton for the whole year, too, because they only had him for half the year last year. Yes. I'm I'm excited for Matt's boy, Justin Upton, this year. Yep. And then, obviously, Simmons was awesome last year, hitting-wise, which has been a struggle for him and in the field. So he was one of the best players in the AL last year. And then they'll be yep. getting Garrett Richards back. You know, there's reason for optimism, I think, but it's just it's it's a struggle. So with the Astros, it just they're too good. They add Garrett Cole, they bring back all of their guys from the best offense in the league last year and one of the best offenses in league history. And a so, young offense that guys are theoretically still improving. Excellent point, Chris. I'm curious. Do you think Carlos Correa overrated, properly rated, underrated? That's a very good question. I was just talking about this with Pipe the other day because Pipe is like the most like he loves him some Carlos Correa. I'm shocked. And he's like Jeter 2.0, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I think except he's like, actually good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's reason to say. I, I think there's reason to say both arguments because it kind of depends who you talk to. But I think he hasn't he hasn't done enough for me with his level of skill and talent and hype for me to really, really get on board because I don't know. I feel like it's like Altuve's team and kind of Springer and Bregman's team. Now it doesn't feel like Correa's team to me. That's a good point. And I think it's something that we get 
into with basketball a lot, and I think it's more important in basketball as we talk about, like, you know, whose team is it. It was a big thing when Braun went to the Heat. It was a thing when KD went to the Warriors, all these guys. In baseball, that doesn't actually exist as much, but I agree with you. That's exactly how I look at it, too. I'm like, when I think the Astros, Correa is not the first guy I think of. And if there are people telling me he's the best player in baseball besides Mike Trout, which a lot <laughs> of people say, then I don't think that that should be the case. I think he should be the first name that comes to mind. So I think he's a little overrated, but he was also hurt last year, and he was putting up some crazy numbers. If he's healthy all year, he'll be one of the best players in the game. It's I think he's better than Lindor. That's yep. I, But I also yep. think that we do overrate him a little bit at this stage, but he can certainly reach those heights that we've we've established for him. The talent is there. It's there. So, yeah, I think the Angels have a shot at the wild card because of Trout. I hope so. And a healthy Trout, and I think their offense is pretty good. You always worry Trout about— Trout deserves that. I agree. I agree. You worry about some of their rotation options and if they'll be able to, you know, kind of lock it down. And their bullpen makes me a little nervous, too, because that whole Camper Drosian, Blake Parker thing, like, they both aren't very good. So True. There's plenty to worry about there, but all right, let's move on to the AL Central, which I think is the most lopsided division. Yeah, that's that that's very fair. I think you have three of the worst teams in the league oh, in one division sure. with the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Royals, who are all like laughably terrible, but are also trying mm-hmm. to be laughably terrible. So it's not really an indictment against them, you know. Yeah, Tanking and in baseball too, guys. What do you think of that, Sam? I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, good point. Good the point. Astros, hey, the Astros and they won a World Series. Yeah, and the Cubs. Yeah. Dude, it's funny because, cool. just for a second, tanking has actually worked in baseball, and I don't think it was intended to be that way. And it's worked well because it, the system is not the same as basketball where you're, the players you get reward you right away. It's more of a long slog. Like we saw the Cubs and Astros were so bad for so long, and but, the payoff was so great for them. Yeah, these and teams have drafted very well. Yes. I think in baseball, too, you can trade players for so many young prospects. Yeah, look what the Yankees did with yeah. Chapman, and look at what the Mets did with Dickey. You know, you can go back. There's there's a lot to be to be had. And it, like, you can stockpile these guys that are all similar age yeah. and basically rely on the fact that when they hit their relative prime that you'll be good. And Which is very unique to, to baseball. I think it's a thing in hockey, too, baseball and hockey, because the minor league systems are so deep. But in basketball and football, you can't trade a veteran for assets that are going to pay off later on. It just it doesn't nope. work that way because the guys are thrust into action right away. You can trade older guys for younger guys and hope that they end up being something. You know, if you trade uh, – I think the Packers traded, you know, a veteran cornerback for a guy like Kaiser – you know, they have Aaron Rodgers, yep. but maybe they like Kaiser down the road. Maybe they think he's got a potential. That's the kind of thing. But it's such a different mindset where in the MLB you can just get rid of veterans, trade them for guys like Glaber Torres who you know are going to be at least a capable MLB player down the road. And you're basically just pushing everything and having it uh, come to a head later. It's a strategy no, that works, def- so there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, but back to the Central. So, I mean, the Indians are – so good they dominated the league last year 22 games in a row for the win streak Mm. Um, they're bringing back a lot of their guys especially in their rotation I'm curious what you think about this specific player Chris Trevor Bauer are you a believer or not I yeah I think I am I was was a guy I was targeting a little bit as a flyer this year I think he was better in the second half last year he kind of figured out 
I mean, he always has been a guy that strikes out a lot of people, but I think he's in a good spot where he's in such a good rotation that the pressure isn't on him like it was when he immediately came out of college and was this high, big prospect. Now I think people kind of forgotten about him, and I think he's a really, really solid like third or fourth starter. And he blocks me on Twitter. Very important uh, to consider, guys. True. Well, he's yeah. hilarious. He's giving away all this money in various increments of 420 and 69. Corny. Corny. So corny. <laughs> I cringed when I read that. Great. He's giving away money to charity. Love that. I think I remember why he blocked you, but why? why? So during the playoffs, when they played the Yankees, he had a bad outing. And he was like so ornery after the game on his phone. And everyone was tweeting out that he was blocking people. So I just added him and said, Haha, you suck. And that was it. And he blocked me on Twitter. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you got that quick a trigger. trigger. <laughs> I can't even speak because I got all riled up. Trigger finger on Twitter for a block. Then you got to reconsider, man. He's that kind of rhymed. You guys hear that? There's a little flow there. I like So, that. Indians, um, Chris, are you at all a believer in the Minnesota Twins? Do you think that they can make another run to a wild card spot? I I think so. It It's hard to say. I mean, a lot of their position players are so young, like Byron Buxton, immensely talented. Mm. And you had those guys like Rosario last year that came up and played well. And I kind of liked their lineup. I found myself at the end of the year, like looking at their lineup last year, I felt like all these guys were hitting like 300 and yeah. doing these good things. And it's low-key deep because a guy like Eddie Rosario was 28 and 90 last year, batting 280, and you're like – who is this guy? Like, where did he yeah, come from? You know? Exactly. So it was players like that. And I think the question with them, like a lot of teams, I mean, it's going to come down to their rotation. I don't, I don't love it. I mean, when they had to throw out Irvin Santana in their one game wild card <laughs> against the Yankees, that says a that's, lot. It's not, not something you want. If it was their prime years and they could have had Johan in that game, maybe it would have been different. Yeah. But yeah. So that's the thing with them. And I forget who did they sign in their rotation, Matt? Uh, Jake Odorizzi. Okay. They brought him. Did they sign someone? And then they have Barrios still, who, you know, a lot of people like Barrios because he had that one really tough first year. And yep. he was able to kind of overcome that last year. And they signed Lance Lynn. Oh, yeah. Matt's so, boy, Lance Lynn. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, I like Odorizzi. I always liked him for fantasy purposes, but, I mean, he's kind of washed now. And Lance Lynn was one of the luckiest pitchers in the league last year in terms of ERA to FIP differential. So. I would be shocked if either of those guys had an ERA under 4-3, like 4-2. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if they did. It's pretty fair. Yeah. Definitely going to be a question mark. I agree with you on their lineup, though. I, I think we underrated a little bit because they're not sexy, but I, I think they do have a a solid lineup top to bottom. So I think if you had – basically, I think it's going to come down to Twins and Angels for the wild card spot. That's how I see it going down. Yep. Um, I'll give the edge to the Angels right now. I just I really want to see Trout in a in a one game playoff scenario. I think that'd be fun. I just hope it's not against the Yankees because that would scare me. Because playing the Twins last year was about the least scared I could have possibly been in a one game playoff. And then of course they scored three runs in the top of the first, and then that I'm giving <laughs> right back thanks to Didi. But something about hearing the Twins and playoffs, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Like the Yankees are gonna win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It yeah, doesn't, doesn't make you we, nervous. We've, we've seen that story before. Again, yeah. we know how it ends. I think you were here, Sam, when yeah, Max here. Yeah, Max, you, Max, and I were chilling here. All right, let's move over to the National League. Let's start with the NL East. Mm. So we got 
some interesting teams here because we know the Nationals are good, and we know the Marlins are bad, very bad, yep. and we know the Braves are pretty bad. And then you have the Mets and the Phillies who won in the Phillies is a young team that is kind of the trendy pick this year to make a jump. And in another, we have a talented team that can't seem to keep their players on the field. So I'll hand oh, this one over to you, that Chris. Uh, I mean, oh. you know, that's, I think that's why I throw it to you there, buddy. Give it right oh, up to you yeah. to talk about your beloved New York Mets. <laughs> uh, I feel like ever since the World Series run for the last two years, it's been the same story with the Mets. If they can keep everybody on the field, the roster is talented enough to make the playoffs and potentially win a playoff series. But they barely kept people on the field just enough two years ago and last year, not enough. And then when their guys were on the field, they weren't very good. So mm. it was last year was a painful year, especially because we have this group of pitchers that should be good, that people like to say are good, but it kind of just feels like a duo of pitchers now and mm-hmm. a bag of misfits for the rest. Yeah. So I'm um, the couple low key moves like signing Todd Frazier. I like for this team. Um, hopefully Conforto can come back healthy. I think we have a pretty deep outfield resign Jay Bruce, but I'm, I'm nervous about the pitching. And again, it's just nervous about health needs Syndergaard and DeGrom to both pitch 200 innings or this team is not going to do anything. But I still think if you ask me right now, do I think we'll finish with a better record than the Phillies? I would say yes. Hmm. So, scenario. DeGrom and Syndergaard combined to throw 400 innings. Cespedes stays healthy. Conforto comes back at the beginning, you know, let's say the beginning of May or, you know, last week of April and he's at 100% and he plays every game. How many games should the Mets win in that scenario? I like to. Th- I think they should win eighty-eight. Okay. I-, I think, I think that's. I don't think they're a ninety-win team. I just think they're older. And I look at, like, I th- I think about back to the twenty fifteen year, and I'm like, we barely won ninety games that year, and it seemed like we were winning like every game. So, I, I'd be very hard pressed to see us winning ninety games. And I just, I don't think even at our peak we can beat the Nationals. Now this is pessimistic Mets fan, Chris, and I will love to be surprised, but. I think it's, it could be similar to two years ago where we played pretty good season, get the wild card, and then probably lose to Mad Bumgarner again. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's kind of what I feel like the season. I don't think we should be bad, but I guess only time will tell. Sam, let me ask you something. Are you upset that Tommy Malone isn't starting the year in the Mets rotation? I mean, he made for a real exciting day and during senior week. <laughs> Joey and oh, that was an there. exciting day, all right. That was <laughs> screaming. Fun. Tommy had an RBI. Did he get the win in that game, or did no, he pitch? No, no, lost. no. They lost. Oh, lost. they lost. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> they lost in heartbreaking fashion. Yes. I, I don't <laughs> even think he was alive for the win. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, we were up going to the ninth. Familia blew it, and then the next day we realized he had a blood clot in his arm, and he was like done for the year. Oh, so that's that was right. Fun. Oh yeah, I remember that. Also, I make you relive that. <laughs> It's all right, Matt. As we're re- as we're doing this pod, though, I just saw a tweet that said Salvador Perez slipped last night carrying his luggage and has an MCL tear and is out six weeks. Oh, geez, that's tough. So, for them. yeah, that, they were already. I mean, makes a bad, bad team but, even worse. Yeah, but I do think I I think people are just jumping a little too quickly, maybe on the Phillies. But yeah, I could be proven wrong. I just think I I have to see it first. We love to take the trendy pick, 
it's like how the Niners are going to be a trendy pick when it comes to football. We like looking at these young teams that have potential studs. And I think we can all agree Reese Hoskins is a guy that's going to be good. And, yep. you know, they have these other guys. Um, you know, Kingery's been getting a lot of noise. J.P. Crawford's coming up. And then they're pitching with Arietta, And then you have Nola and Vince Velasquez. They have plenty of pieces that have shown that they can be contributors. And I would agree. I think it's a year too early. I could see yep, it. That's but what I, it feels like. I'd be surprised if they win more games than the Mets, too, because I always am optimistic, and I hope that the Mets can stay healthy. That's my hope, Thanks, and I think if the Mets can stay healthy, I think that wild card spot is certainly up for grabs. It's it's within the realm of, of possibility, which is all we can ask for. Yep. So b- based off my belief in that, let's move to the next division because I'm not as high on the two teams that made the wild card game last year in the NL West, which is the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. So we have the Dodgers at the top, which there's a team that was on pace to be one of the best in MLB history last year, suffered a strange losing stretch at the end of the year, and then all of a sudden got hot again and carried that through the playoffs to the World Series. They have young guys in Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager, and they have some of the old guard guy like Kershaw that's been around and Puig who has been there, you know, for five or six years now. So I think we know that they're good and we know that they'll in all likelihood win the division. What do you think about the rest of the teams in this division, Chris? Cause like I said, myself, I'm pretty, uh, I'm definitely not as high on the Rockies and the Diamondbacks as others seem to be. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Padres, I think are still going to suck. They, yeah, they're bad. They, they added Hosmer or whatever. Overrated. Just, yeah, exactly. So then we move to the Giants who made these offseason moves and who on paper maybe could be better, but then they lose their best player for a month or two and they lose their second to third best pitcher for maybe a month. And I think it's going to be tough sledding for them to start the season. So they're going to need those guys like Longoria McCutcheon to come and make a pretty immediate impact, which I'm not sure they'll do. So, yeah, I don't know. I put them in the same classes. I think the Rockies have a good enough offense. I think they finally put it together. So maybe I'm obviously different from Matt Spenley. Like mm-hmm. I think that the Rockies and D-backs are kind of young enough and up and coming enough to maybe sustain some of their success. But baseball's tough because they're just not – only so many teams can get in and they have the best team – arguably the best team in baseball in their division. So I love the Diamondbacks rotation. That's the thing that is going to put them over the top if they do because – I've said on this program before, I'm a big believer in Zach Godley. Some people, I saw, I read a couple articles today that were talking about his breakout not being real. And I said, okay, present me any type of evidence that makes you think that. Because he had a great strikeout rate. He had a low, He, I should say, yeah, he had a low strand rate. So that's something that if we see a high strand rate, it means that guys mm. are usually getting lucky. The guy that had a really high strain rate last year was Robbie Ray, so he's a guy that could regress a little bit. But he's such an elite strikeout pitcher that it doesn't quite matter as much. And then obviously you have Granke, you have Patrick Corbin, who has had, you know, it's been a while since he had a really good year, but he was still a serviceable starter last year. I think he was like through to like a 4-2 ERA, which as your fourth or fifth yep. guy, that's totally fine. And Taiwan Walker, who I think it feels like a long time ago where he was like a really top prospect. Yep. Because that was a thing with the Mariners. Oh, it was yeah. a thing. Yeah, and then he's kind of fallen off. But he's still, again, a serviceable guy in the back. I'm really, really interested to see. It's one of my favorite storylines to follow this year about how the, the humidor is going to affect the Diamondbacks. 
Do you know about this? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've They're, seen it. Because, what, do, what do they think it's going to do? So the idea is that they put balls in a humidor, the baseballs, to make them a certain temperature before the game because they had problems with the balls flying too far in Arizona, and it was like the pitchers were struggling. So the idea of the humidor is to affect the baseballs and make baseballs fly less. So in general, when we were drafting for fantasy purposes, I was trying to avoid a lot of Diamondbacks because it makes me really nervous. So I ended up with Goldschmidt at one spot just because the value was too good. But like he hit 36 home runs last year. There's no way he hits that many home runs this year. So I'm feeling good about my selection of Zach Godley, though. You should feel better, which is why I felt even better about it and why I was not going to take Robbie Ray in any leagues this year because I have a theory that if Didn't you get, you get him in ours? Yes. Well, that's that's my point. I have a theory that if you take get, get a guy in fantasy and he does really well for you and outperforms expectations, you shouldn't take him again because you're just trying your luck too much. It happened to me with Michael Turner and C.J. Spiller in and Chris Davis in fantasy in all my fantasy sports. But with the humidor, I think that even if Robbie Ray's ERA goes up and he gets a little unlucky, I don't think it's going to go up enough for it'll matter. And he was also really good on the road last year, so if his home stats get even better, I have a lot of hope for that. But the humor is going to be fun. I'm telling you, it's going to be really interesting to see how the park factors change for Arizona this year. And it could be something that could drastically change how they produce as an offense and how their pitchers perform. Hmm. So I'd buy that as, a, as an argument for the Diamondbacks if you think that. And like I, I think that's certainly something that you can lean back on with them and say their pitchers were already good last year. This humidor should only help. Very fair. So... Let's move on to our last division, the NL Central. So we have the Cubbies, who are my pick to win the division. And then we have a team that seems to be pretty divisive in a lot of communities in the Brewers, where people are either really high on them or really low or think they, you know, their projections are too high. So, Chris, what are your feelings on this division? Yeah, I feel... It's, I feel pretty strongly that it's the Cubs division to lose. I think that I'm a Cubs believer this year, partly because they, when you win the World Series, it's so tough to come back the next year with that same motivation. Same. Right. So to me, it's almost like it's best the following year when you've felt the loss, maybe you get a little hungry again, and they sure as hell obviously have the talent. Their pitching isn't going to be as good as it was when they won the World Series, but their hitters are still so young. We expect maybe a bounce back from Schwarber, a guy like Hap to continue to age and get better. So I love their lineup. Obviously, you have Rizzo and Brian in the middle who are just as consistent a three and four hitter as you get or two, however they choose to bat them. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think the Brewers are the clear second best team in that division. Well, yeah. I, no, no, okay, I'm not going to say that. I, I think the there's two clearly very bad teams in that division, and then the Brewers and Cardinals yeah. are kind of... The Reds and Pirates the, are certainly bringing up the rear. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I'm probably... I guess if you put... When we start to make predictions, you'll see. But yeah, I, I think I'm probably more of a Cardinals guy than a Brewers guy. I agree. So, I like some of the young... I don't think Carlos Martinez gets enough credit. I, I, he's a guy we don't mm. talk about a lot, and he's really good. And I love Luke Weaver, who had a sparkling 0.5 ERA in spring for the Cardinals. Mm. I love Matt Carpenter to have a bounce back here this year. I They have some guys, you know, Paul DeYoung was awesome for them last year, hit 20 home runs. Tommy Pham. Yeah, Tommy Pham was great. He's having this weird thing. So Tommy Pham, 
had issues with his vision when he came into the MLB. And then this year, so he got like a surgery to fix it. And he credited that as a reason why he had hit so well last year. And this year he was saying that he was having issues with his vision again. So I'm a little nervous about Tommy Pham. But I think he should be He had right a bad because, spring. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. It's one of those things he's probably just being like a little paranoid. But yeah, the Cardinals are are a team that I think we should have some faith in. And I like them more than the Brewers as well. Yeah, they just, I mean, Ozuna again, these aren't under the radar deals. Right, like he's right. a stud, a young up and coming stud coming to their team. Um, yeah, I think the Cardinals are, to me, they're the clear cut first wild card team. Mm-hmm. And I always like saying, you know, guys do for regression, but Ozuna's guy I do think is due for regression. But even in Ozuna, that regresses is still a really good player that they got for nothing. He was a six-win player last year. For Even nothing. If he's, a, if he's a three-and-a-half-win player this year, that's still really good. So, yep. so let's give a brief rundown after we've gone through all the divisions of just some predictions, some playoff predictions, and then we'll hit on very briefly who we who we like for some of the awards. So I'll give mine, my playoff teams, and then Chris, you can give yours, and Sam, if you have any other takes, feel free to jump in there, boss. <laughs> All right, so the the Yankees are likely going to win the AL East. So I'll pick them just so I don't get called in anti-jinx because I wrote in Red Sox because I was being a dick today at work and I didn't want to put Yankees in there. So <laughs> Yankees, Astros, Indians, Red Sox, Angels are my five from the AL. And it's pretty chalky, but I don't – the only team I could see in there is the Twins – instead of the Angels. The Red Sox, Astros, Indians, and Yankees feel about as much of a lock as there is in terms of playoff teams. Yep. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I meant to say this when we were starting. This, to me, is the biggest year in recent memory where I think there's such a huge disparity. Kind of like feel like that. Because, to me, there's always... Most years, I feel like I'm like, okay, that team is the best, but, like, oh, he's probably win the division. To me... I think you should you could almost you should almost get like even money that these six division winners are going to be the Yankees, Indians, Astros, Dodgers, Cubs, Nationals. Like I, yeah, yeah. I know it seems crazy, but it just feels like they are on a pedestal of their own. No, you're right. I felt when I was looking at this, I was trying to outthink myself to pick someone else, and I was like, "What are you doing? Just just pick who you know the best teams are and who the teams are that are going to make the playoffs." Chris, maybe you should sign up for my bookie again. Place a parlay on that. Ooh, that sounds nice. Oh, God. Yeah, that was... <laughs> What's the new one they're advertising? Stress, stressful uh, I forget. days of my life. They always do it on... Pardon my take, they did my bookie for a while. They did my bookie on the Ringer Pods. Like, it's a pretty reputable site, me I, thinks. Yeah, I, I hear their rep is rock solid. And then you look into their cash out terms and you see it's not that rock solid. <laughs> Chris, you know what? You're not doing it for the cash. You're doing it for the love of the game. True. <laughs> All right, so then the NL... Based on that comment, I can assume we have the same winners with Nationals, Dodgers, Cubs. And then I also like the Cardinals for that first spot. And the optimist in me wants to pick the Mets because I'd really like to see the Mets get there. And I want to see them stay healthy because I want to see their stud pitchers. Thanks, dude. That sounds nice. That does sound nice, doesn't it? Yeah, so I won't waste any time. I mean, uh, I had the same AL as Matt because I want to see the Angels make it in. Not that I necessarily think they will, but I want to. And then the NL, my differ is I'm not going to pick the Mets because I'm not crazy. And I, I'm going to pick the Rockies because I just enjoy watching them so much. Like, obviously, it's the whole course Field thing, but mm-hmm. their players are just so fun to watch. I think 
transitioning into my MVP pick, I'm I'm hoping slash thinking Nolan Arenado is going to win the MVP this year. So I feel like they have to make the playoffs for him to do that. So okay, so let's hop right over to there. Unless you do, you want to go through the playoffs, or did you just want to pick the teams? Uh, no, we can go through the playoffs, or we can get yeah, we we can go through the playoffs. Let's at least say who we think is going to make the World Series. We'll just do that. Okay. So I think from the NL, the Nationals have been too good for too long, and they just feel like the type of mathematical anomaly that they have to get there some year. Like, they've been too good. And I don't buy this theory that teams are always collapsing in the playoffs, especially in baseball. Like, it's it's different than a different... Like, it's something like basketball, where I think it just doesn't get in these guys' heads as much. I don't know. I, I might be selling basketball players short or selling baseball players short, however way you look at it. But I'm going to take the Nationals, and then... I'll take the Astros back again because I don't want to take the Yankees because that's not what I do. So, But the Astros are so goddamn good, and there's no reason for us to think that they should ever lose a five-game series or a seven-game series if they are able to get their pitchers all on the same page. And, I mean, even if, like we saw last year, Springer was terrible until the World Series, and they were fine, and they managed to get there anyways. So yep. it's it's always one of those things where when you're this deep, you don't need your team to be firing on all cylinders 100% of the time. You could still afford having some guys struggle and, you know, manage to get over the hump. So who do you like? So now that it's not trendy, I'm going to take a rematch of two World Series ago, and I'm going to put the Cubs and Indians back in there. Because I I think those teams that have had a year to sit, like I think, like last year, it's like anything. Like people right after the NFL season, oh, I think the Patriots and Eagles are probably going to play in the Super Bowl again. Like, oh, cool, that's a hot take. Yeah. But – I That's think just when stupid, had, I think. Yeah, I think when you've had time to sit and digest, and like now I think both those teams are going to come out maybe a little more hungry, um, and I just like them both, and I think that would be awesome for them because the last two World Series were both absolutely great, so let's hope for another one. I like it. Do you agree with me that Ian Happ is literally Mitchell McComb? Yeah, I like that. He's so on my fantasy alike. team. They look so, so I love much like it. It's hysterical. Yeah. All right, so Pretty let's sweet. transition into some award winners. Just give a few takes on MVP and Cy Young. So, Chris had already mentioned the NL MVP being Arenado. Do you want to give a few thoughts on that beyond what you've already said? Yeah, really, just that he's been right there for so many years, and we talk about like voter fatigue, and you'd like to try to find that new guy who's going to push his way in, and I think he was close last year, and I think his defense is still so good, and he's going to obviously – tear the league up in RBIs playing cores. So it feels like if they can have a really solid wild card year, that it's time to time for him to get one. Sam, I forgot. Do you want to give your world series prediction? Put it on the record, put it on the record, put it on the record right now. Yeah. All right. Let's do something crazy. All right. Go um, for Rockies. <laughs> Ooh. And who? And, uh, I want to say Astros, but that's too easy. <laughs> well, let's go Indians. That's easy Rocky too. Indians, but... nice. <laughs> I was I like hoping it. Sam was going to say something like, you know, the Twins, just like a twins. classic Sam matchup. Yeah. That would be like, oh because... yeah, no one else wants to watch this World Series, but I do. <laughs> no, I don't want to see the Twins. <laughs> Can you imagine the Twins in the World Series? <laughs> All right. So for NL MVP to get back into the award winner conversation, I think that. This is a Corey Seager year. So he was third as a rookie a couple years ago. And yep. I it feels like the type of year the Dodgers are really good. 
And I think Bellinger, I have him in two fantasy leagues, so I'm hoping this isn't true. I think that he's someone that we can worry about to have a little bit of regression. He has a really wide swing. He strikes out a lot. So I don't think he's necessarily the face of the team. And I think Seager feels a little understated at times. But I think this year is a year that he'll really establish himself in that same conversation. And I like his odds this year. I don't know what the betting odds are, by the way. I didn't look at this. I I feel like... It broke down something like Harper, Brian, um, Arenado, Seager. Arenado and Seager were like five and six ish. Yeah, that, that makes sense. All right, what about AL? Um, <laughs> so based off the sheer fact that Mike Trout didn't win it last year, and he's the best player in baseball for the last six years, we'll just go back to him this year. That was my exact logic when I did. He just he deserves it every year, so let's just give it to him this year, um, because this year maybe they'll actually make the playoffs. A healthy Mike Trout should never lose the MVP award. It's just a fact. It's kind of like you know how Jordan, like a healthy Jordan, should never have lost an MVP. Like he should always have been winning the MVP award. Of course, he didn't a few times because people got tired of voting for him. But I don't think that hits him with Trout because we've seen him not win a couple times. So it's not one of those things where like oh we just can't vote for this guy. True. So what about the Cy Youngs, Chris? What do you think? So I try to be contrarian because, I don't know, it's more fun that way, you know? Oh, I 100% agree. So for the AL, I'm going to say that this man stays healthy and that Carlos Carrasco takes home the Cy Young this year. You're a bastard. You're a bastard, you know that? (laughs) That's who I put down. And I was like, oh, Chris isn't going to put this guy down. I'll be able to talk about how I love him. If he stays healthy, he's got such a great strikeout rate and a great ballpark. Screw you. (laughs) <laughs> just, so you just say whatever you're going to say for me it just feels like when he's on the field he's one of the best pitchers in baseball I'm always a little nervous because he doesn't have that durability that we've seen from guys like Kluber and Verlander but I mean he was pretty darn close last year so right. let's just hope because the Indians are fun and I like the Indians So. and don't you think if they have comparable years voters would be like oh I'll vote for Carrasco instead of Kluber yep like just I because you know he's won Yep. Uh, yeah, so I had Carrasco there. What about NL? Um, NL was tough for me. I ended up breaking it down just because I I think this guy's too good not to win one. So Strasburg, even though he's in mm. the NL East, and I hate him, and they, they, it's not fair that they have him in Scherzer, but I think that unless Kershaw stays healthy all year and is bad, I mean, if Kershaw stays healthy all year, and he's at his usual form. It's hard for him. But the last two years, we've kind of seen, like, he hasn't been that guaranteed 200-inning guy. Right. Um, and Strasburg's been right there. So I'll, I'll give it to him this year. And I think it's hard in the NL because if Kershaw and, you know, Scherzer are both firing and they're pitching 200 innings, they're really hard to beat. So those guys are the obvious choices. Since I'm optimistic on the Mets, I have Syndergaard because I think if he pitches 200 innings, he has a – Serious, serious chance. I have a question, and this is a take that's been going around. Does Noah Syndergaard throw too hard to be to have to be a sustainable skill in baseball? Is that a thing? See, I didn't. That? I didn't used to believe that because of his build, but it just makes me nervous. How I don't. I don't necessarily think it's too hard, but it, it bothers me. Like how he put on all this muscle last year. And I remember showing my dad an article at the beginning of the year, and I think I talked with you about it, about how Nolan Ryan's main trainer, who kept that man healthy for his entire career, 
said he would put the odds of Syndergaard getting hurt last year at like 50-50 because mm. he had all this muscle that wasn't used to pitching and it just wasn't going to work. And of course, it happened very darn quickly that he got hurt and right. it made me very sad. I think as long as the motion is fluid and effortless like Syndergaard makes it look, I I like to say that he can be healthy, but obviously we're coming off an injury year, but I like to chalk it up to that the fact that he was working out too hard and he didn't really understand, like he didn't throw it all last off season, which was a mistake. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that theory is wrong. Yeah. I'm hoping he stays healthy. Sam, you got any awards takes for us? None at all. None at all. Do you huh? want me to say something? Yeah. What do you think is going to win AL MVP? John Carlos Tank is going to hit six home oh. runs. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Sam. That's what we like to hear. 60 home runs. That seems a little pessimistic. I don't know, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Give him at least 65. <laughs> at least 73, okay? Like, come on. <laughs> All right, let's get into some segments and we'll get out of here. So, let's start with Shooter Shoot. Sam, why don't you go first since you've been kind of quiet and patiently waiting during our baseball talk. Uh, my Shooter Shoot, I feel bad because I think it might steal from one of you guys. Go for it. I'm going to say Markel Fultz just because... I didn't have Fultz. Okay, good. I was worried you specifically were going to have I did not have faults, no. All right, good, because you're a big faults guy. I do. I am. But for him to just come out, obviously this year was weird. Who knows what the phantom injury was and the probably a lot of personal issues behind it. It was very confusing and sad, to be honest. But for him to go out the other night, and it was only 14 minutes, but it looked decent, and the crowd was loving it. Philly getting behind him like that just felt so good. It was nice to see him play and have one good moment. No doubt. Chris, why don't you go ahead? Well, since we didn't talk any college basketball this week, and we I wasn't potting last week, so we didn't really get a chance to break down some of the tournament stuff, I'll just join the mainstream media and give a little shoot-or-shoot to Loyola because anytime an 11 seed makes the Final Four, it's awesome. And even though they got a very lucky path when we've watched this team it just feels like they're the best 11 seed we've seen like they're just they're so balanced and i think they play great basketball and they they're just so fundamentally sound like i know i'm just preaching the classic fundamental basketball but it's mm-hmm. it's so pretty no, so just right. a little shoot shoot to both them and actually the kansas jayhawks because even though i do not like kansas i think not Matt, not just Matt Spenley. It was popular opinion this year that they weren't that good. And they've played really well in the tournament and beaten the, – the teams they've beaten, like, in the last three games, Seton Hall, Clemson, and Duke, were all playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And they managed to defend better than I thought they would and continue to shoot threes at a reasonable clip. So I'm impressed. And even though I think they'll lose this weekend to Villanova, I have to say I'm impressed with the job they've done. And it was nice to see Bill Self pretty much just out-coach Coach K. Yep. And, all right, here's how the Final Four is going to go down. Loyola cannot beat Villanova. It will not happen in this world or the next. Loyola could beat Kansas. Kansas could beat Villanova. I could see it. I wouldn't bet on it. And I think Michigan could theoretically beat either one. But if it's Loyola-Nova, I don't see any world where Nova loses that game. I just don't think it's possible. And I I think that Nova has to be the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite here. Yep, we've said it since I, I've loved them since the beginning of the tournament. I'm sad that some of my brackets didn't turn out better. Um, oh, but also a little shooter shoot to Kayla because if Villanova does win, then she'll win 
her first ever bracket challenge that she didn't even know she was submitted in. Aha, shout out Kayla. All right, mine, this isn't really a shooter shoot. I just thought it was hysterical. Someone brought up an Alfred Payton tweet from 2011 where he just tweeted free ISIS. <laughs> no context. It just said free ISIS. <laughs> it's just, I was That's just baffled. You know, like, so it's Alfred Payton pro ISIS. Uh, pro terrorism. Oh, that's hmm. that's that's not good. <laughs> All right, and then uh, my claim to lame was the New York Rangers. It's not lame because they did it to themselves, mostly on purpose. But this is the first time they've been missing the playoffs for the since oh three oh four. It's the first time that Lundqvist, Zuccarello, Kreider have played and not been in playoff contention. It's been a long, long run, and I think they did the right thing. But, you know, for now, uh, you know, out of the playoffs for the first time, it's going to be a bummer not to watch them. Yes, it's it's sad. Chris, go ahead. So, again, we haven't got a chance to talk about this fuckery. And <laughs> my claim to lame is the New York Jets. I am just <laughs> – I, I am so – Evergreen. Livid. Evergreen content. <laughs> I'm so mad at this organization because to go and – despite what people may say picks are worth and what it costs to trade up three spots, just this whole last week or two to trade up three spots to basically, it doesn't feel like get a player that you couldn't have gotten at six to give up three second round picks and then come out and say, you like six or seven guys at the three spot, which <laughs> makes sense because you definitely couldn't have got one of those six or seven at the six spot. If my math is correct. Um, Good math. Yeah, you're so, right. I'm very excited for this draft because obviously we do have the chance to get a franchise impacting player and possibly our franchise quarterback. But the whole thing just felt so Jets like. And when I woke up that Saturday morning and saw that, I was irate. I thought I was seeing things. I It just made no sense to trade to a spot where you're still behind two quarterback needy teams. It, it just it felt so – if you move up from like four to one – when you know that one quarterback is there, sure, whatever. But it this just felt so stupid. Oh God! Don't worry, they'll just draft Josh Allen, and you'll be golden. Mm. <laughs> Sam, go ahead, close this out. Uh, my claim to lame, although I don't blame NBA teams, they've really taken tank into the next level this year. <laughs> there are some bad NBA teams. There's some bad teams, and they're all on board on the tank trade. <laughs> Coaches are sin players. I see Dennis Schroeder not playing. Dennis Smith, his minutes have been cut back a little bit. Carlisle is alternating Nerlens Noel and Sala Mejri. It's very... Uh, and then you have dude, Trey Burke out it. here trying to ruin the tank for the Knicks. Yeah, geez, just has to score 42 <laughs> points. Oh, oh it's despicable. Oh, truly despicable. All right, guys, good chatting. MLB starts tomorrow, so that's going to be on our minds all day Thursday, and then some awesome tournament content this weekend. So we will be back. For Sam and Chris, I'm Matt. We will talk to you guys later. Good night. Night, guys.